0: You're listening to The Main Course, where food is serious business. Listen along for insights, strategies, forecasts, and thought leadership from the front lines of food with your host, Barbara Castiglia.
1: Welcome to The Main Course. I'm Barbara Castiglia of Modern Restaurant Management. And today we're going to talk about coffee and how somebody from the West Coast wound up on the East Coast selling coffee via drive-through, but it's still a unique concept. Um, so with me today is Darren Spicer, who's a co-founder and CEO of Clutch Coffee, which is expanding really rapidly in the Carolinas and then going more uh, further south, I guess, or, you know, uh, and, uh, you know, expanding rapidly over the next few years. Um, so expect to see more of them. So welcome, Darren. Um, yes. Yeah, so, you know, first I know you're a West Coast person. Um, and you know, West coast, very well-known connected to, to coffee. Um, you know, how many coffee brands started there? Um, so how did you wind up, you know, your coffee journey, um, and wind up, um, you know, coming into with clutch coffee in the Carolinas?
0: Yeah. Great question. Thank you for, for having me as well. Um, so I first got into coffee back in 2004. Um, and it was a, a great position, uh, for me in high school and then into college, really enjoyed the people aspect and building relationships. Um, I think it goes without saying, I obviously really enjoy coffee as well. Uh, but I just really enjoyed, uh, the relationship aspect and the environment, um, to get to work in. So, uh, I started off, uh, doing that in, in high school and in college, um, which was a great part-time job to have while also going to school. Um, I graduated college, uh, and decided to get, you know, uh, an adult job, if you will, um, got to de- had a degree in sports marketing. And so I went to work in professional sports, uh, for a little while, uh, that segued into, uh, out, uh, medical device sales positions that I had for uh, about a total of seven years. But during that time, there was something that just kept pulling me back to really wanting to, uh, to, to have an opportunity to do something more long-term in the, in the coffee space. So uh, while I was working full-time in medical device sales um, as the uh, director of sales for a, for a device company, I also went back to a, one of the previous companies I worked at, which was uh, Dutch Bros Coffee, uh, based out of Oregon. And uh, part of the prerequisite for them to franchise was that you had to manage a store for one continuous year at the time. So I uh, was working about between the two positions, was working about seventy hours a week. Um, we did that for nine months, and nine months into the twelve month program, uh, it shifted and it changed, and there were no longer going to be franchise opportunities. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of the catalyst that really led me to look and say, okay, I really believe in this, and I want to do it. Um, but what does that look like in terms of having um, you know some ownership in that? And so that's kind of what was the the springboard for uh, beginning to put the initial ideas together to, to start Clutch.
1: So tell me about the Clutch concept, you know, what it is um, and why it's called Clutch.
0: Great question. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm a huge sports fan. And when a player steps up and they deliver in crunch time, they are, in essence, Clutch. Uh, so I want us to be that for our customers every single day. Um, and, uh, we, we opened our first location in 2018. So we're just a little bit over a little bit over five years old. Um, but that really was the, the foundation and the, and the passion for that was, can we bring something to an area, you know, specifically in the Carolinas that we felt was underserved from a drive through coffee perspective, um, drive through coffee in the Northwest is kind of on every other corner, but it's a lot less prevalent in the, in the Southeast right now. Uh, it's changing uh, as we speak, but uh, but it's growing. And so that was kind of the focus was we wanted to to start somewhere that um, that really hadn't had a chance to experience the customer centric approach that we had. Um, and that's that's where we got our start. Right.
1: So it's kind of interesting that you say customer centric when I would think on a lot of the northeast, people think of the drive-through as not being customer centric, that it's very transactional. Um, yeah. but you do have a little bit. Different, you know, you're you're not just the traditional drive-through that somebody comes in. You do have people who actually go out um, onto the line and they talk to people. Um, So, you know how how did that you know that come about to be so customer centric?
0: Yeah, so a lot of that uh, evolved over time in the industry, especially on the West Coast. Um, And it started off. I mean, when I first got into coffee, it was just taking orders at the window as cars pulled up, right? And and as things got busier, uh, you had to be more creative with how you were going to manage that, that wait time for customers if you became popular and there were six or eight or 10 cars in line and you were taking orders just right at the window, you weren't really getting ahead at all. So that evolved to uh, actually taking sticky notes outside, writing the order on a sticky note and literally running that inside to put on the espresso machine uh, to make um then it shifted into the era of of cell phones becoming more prevalent and being able to actually text an order in i think the first one we actually used was like a blackberry um but texting those into another device that was inside and so it's just kind of continued to evolve to where now uh we have a tablet outside and similar to chick-fil-a where you know you pull up to a stationary spot that the chick-fil-a order taker is at um we take that another Step further, and we have our runners be a little bit more dynamic, so they're actually working down the line, so they can go six, eight, ten cars back um, to really capture that, and then that all all that information goes in in real time inside, which allows us to just be as as efficient as we possibly can be. Um, so that's that's definitely evolved, and when we opened five years ago, um, that was something that people had to get used to. They they, uh, in a positive way, uh, I kind of look at it in a similar way of when you do get your first uh your first smartphone you don't realize how much you need or enjoy it until you actually see it and have it so when they you know they were like why why are you guys outside taking the taking orders and now they're you know so accustomed to it used to it um and appreciate that versus having to pull up to a a speaker box and have a, a transactional experience like you mentioned
1: right um it was funny how you mentioned the way the term eras And it feels like it's been errors since 2018 (laughs) in the restaurant industry because so much has changed, um, you know, and the pandemic. And, you know, how what kind of what did you learn, you know, particularly having a drive through business during the pandemic? um, You know, did you have to change how you did things in terms of people interacting with people? Um, And, um, you know, and, you know, what have you learned (laughs) over these five years about, you know, how, the restaurant industry has just changed dramatically.
0: Yeah, uh, great. Two great questions there. I, I think the number one thing with COVID was, you know, we wanted to make sure we took care of our employees and did everything by the book in terms of being safe um, for everyone's well-being, right? For their well-being, for our customers. Um, so that was the number one thing: was how can we set this up to to make sure that people um, are are safe, and so. There were some there were some long days and weeks uh, during that time when there was a lot of unknown things uh, where, you know, COVID tracing. Right. If one person was exposed, we had to follow traces. Those people had to quarantine for a certain number of days. Um, We got very lucky that uh, the max impact we had was we had for one week, we had one store that had to close early. At two o'clock every day instead of nine, uh, instead of 9 p.m. That was the only impact. We didn't have to, you know, we didn't have any other crazy things where things had to be fully closed for any extended period of time. So, um, but what I think it taught us was how important and how valued that face to face relationship really is because we grew pretty substantially during COVID. And I think we were fortunate. The model we had was takeaway so it was already kind of designed to where every, every business had to kind of scramble if they weren't already doing that to 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 adjust um so sit down cafes may not have been as fortunate but uh, it really emphasized that face-to-face interaction even if you had a mask on it was more about people wanting to get out of the house and see a, a different face than the people they've been cooped up with um and have an interaction and a, and a breath of fresh air and to get a, a great beverage at the same time so I think it reinforced how how much we believe in our in the model of what we do and the relationship aspect, um, but also having just the the face to face interaction and a chance to build um, to build a bond with customers.
1: So you had also mentioned how, you know, first started you were you know, doing post-it notes and Blackberries. Okay. Um, so technology, particularly there's a lot of technology, um, AI they're talking about with the drive-through. Um, so what, how is technology uh, impacting what you do and where do you see that going?
0: That's a great question. And there's probably great arguments to make on both sides uh, of the fence on that. I think there's, you know, there's a lot of push with QSR uh, quick service retail to, to try to automate as many things as possible. Um, I think there's a, there's a certain line that we probably won't end up crossing simply because I think the one thing you can't replace is that face-to-face interaction is that, is that relationship aspect. And it's kind of, it kind of flows into what we believe in terms of customer service being a lost art form. So, uh, I think there's going to be certain brands that maybe think of more of the traditional drive-throughs, McDonald's, Burger King, etc., who will probably really uh, optimize and squeeze as much as they can out of out of AI. Um, for us, there are certain elements I think that will will end up, you know, being able to take advantage of. Um, However, uh, and we actually we already use some of it even on the on the marketing side. Chat GPT is an amazing resource uh, to use for for certain things, um, but it, I don't I don't think we'll ever replace that face to face interaction. We've actually rebuffed potential investor groups who say, "Oh, you're wasting labor. You've got someone outside. Use the speaker box." I just I politely disagree in terms of how we're structured. So,
1: I mean, even now you're you're meeting customers, but um, it's still a pretty quick transaction. So how do you, you know, how do you improve that customer service? How do you gain loyalty when it
0: is something that still is a quick transaction? Yeah, there's a, there's a phrase that we uh, teach and coach, you know, which is mastering the brief yet impactful conversation. Um, And, and to your point, you, you know, you have a limited time, it's usually your total wait time uh, from the time you order till the time you leave on average is like three or four minutes. Um, and so uh, and it's it is a it's an art form for sure. It's a lot of teaching, a lot of coaching, a lot of training um, to make and, and really just encouraging our employees to be themselves, right? We don't want them to fit into a certain box where everybody should look the same, talk the same. Like We want them to be themselves and have those genuine interactions. Um, so it's a, it's a lot of elbow grease, uh, in terms of, of, uh, building and maintaining the culture, which I think is really, is really important for us, um, to focus on and not lose sight of. Mm
1: -hmm. So what do you look for in a staff member then?
0: Great question. Uh, what we look for is are a lot of intangibles. Uh, I really don't, it doesn't matter to me whether they had coffee background or not. I think a lot of people have a misnomer that, oh, I was a barista at, Starbucks, or I was a barista at Dunkin, so I should have a leg up. Candidly, we probably have a lot of bad habits to break in terms of how, how they're actually making drinks. So for us, it's, uh, it starts with your, you know, your attitude and your energy. Do you have great, uh, are you outgoing? Do you have great attitude, great energy? Uh, because that's, we, our mantra internally is we exist to serve positive energy in every form that that takes. So empowering our employees to do that and, and looking for those traits is important. Um, are you coachable uh, and are you reliable? And I, and I think if you have those components, if you've got a uh, great attitude, you're coachable, you're reliable, we can teach you everything else. And these are, frankly, life skills that will carry well beyond any time they spend at Clutch.
1: Right. Now, how many people are usually on staff per per shift or, um, you know, how many people do you like to 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 have to be considered staffing up?
0: Uh good question. It it depends on the structure of the store. So we have a couple stores that are double sided, which have drive-throughs on both sides going in opposite directions. And then we have other ones that are just a single lane. Um but the range on that at, at our peak times is anywhere between five to nine people that will be on staff, depending on the, the store volume and the and the layout.
1: Right. Because the storefronts aren't huge. So you don't want to have too many people who are going to be, you know, falling all over themselves. So I guess, tell me a little bit about the different sizes and, and also the local, the local locations, excuse me, that you look for, you know, what, what
0: would you say? Oh, this will, this will make a great spot for clutch. Yeah. So the, the early on locations were really small. Uh, they were, we're talking like 500 square feet and they're just for the volume they're doing now. They just they're bursting at the seams in terms of storage space it's really tough so uh, all of our new stores which would include the two most recent ones we did in columbia uh, and rock hill uh, those are all going to trend towards uh eight to nine hundred square feet versus 500 i think it just gives us a lot a lot more space to to stock and move appropriately um in terms of what we look for in a good site Uh, obviously being on a really busy arterial or a busy road is, is probably the the first key metric we're looking at. Is it a, is it a road that's well traversed or is it off the beaten path? Um, you know, we, we want to have a good amount of cars and eyeballs going by us. Um, I think anytime you can be at a lighted intersection, uh, on a hard corner, uh, which think about the people that usually occupy that are gas stations. Walgreens, CVS, so as close to that uh, as possible, um, I think is helpful because you have traffic that's going by on a slower versus you know going by sixty, 60 miles an hour. Um, and then in the community that you're in, uh, I think, is also important. What do the demographics look like? Um, you know, wh- where does the competition uh, lay out there? And and is it a? We really like going into communities that that really are tight knit communities because that's where we can have the greatest impact. Um, as, a, as a, a steward in the community, if you will. So uh, we look at that as well.
1: So who do you assess to be your competition?
0: I would say in the current moment with where we're at, it's, it's typically going to be Starbucks and Dunkin' for the most part. There are, there are some um, other brands that are emerging that are similar in size to us um, that are starting to kind of trickle into, into the Carolinas, um, Scooters, Coffee, uh, uh seven brew big b there's some other ones that are that are not normally in this area that are that are coming into the area um so that's probably the range of it i wouldn't say you know mcdonald's has you can get great value on coffee at mcdonald's but i wouldn't say that that's like a competitor for us
1: right so what makes your coffee better or comparable to to theirs to starbucks to a to a duncan yeah
0: uh, it starts with the, the roaster that we work with they're based uh, just south of seattle Phenomenal, award-winning roaster. Uh, their name is Delanos D I L L A N O S. They're just fantastic, and uh, they're incredibly consistent. The the flavor of the espresso. Clearly, I'm going to be biased here, but uh, but we have enough feedback from from customers who are like, oh my gosh, I'm never going back to you know Starbucks. It tastes too bitter and burnt. This is this the flavor on this is just great. So starts with the espresso. It's not it's not cheap. It's very expensive. But we believe in the quality of what we're doing, um, and then it, and then it also is the the quality of ingredients and the other beverages that we offer as well. Um, we have uh, a wide array of customized energy drinks, which are are pretty popular uh, with the younger demographic, um, and that's a, a newer concept to the East Coast. It's been around on the on the West Coast for a little while, but uh, newer and emerging. So quality of ingredients is just super important. I just I refuse to cut corners on anything of, of that. Um, And then it comes down to how well are we actually training and building these drinks? And are are we precise with our recipes to make sure that it's a consistent product that you can come by any location, any day and get the exact same thing.
1: So now everything now is company owned, correct? Correct. Um, But, you know, considering looking and you you yourself were considering being a franchisee at some point. So what would you look for in a franchisee partner Um, and what kind of resources would be available to them.
0: Yeah. If we, if we explored that route, I I think it's a lot of the same intangibles that we talk about at the, at the barista level. Um, What is your attitude and your energy? Um, Are you coachable? Uh, Are you accountable? Those things funnel all the way up through, through the business. Um, I think it's someone that's willing to learn our system, our way of doing things and how we do it. And, and, you know, part of the slippery slope with franchises can be that people, you know, might say, hey, I, I already have experience with other franchises. Um, and it, it's just there's less, I would say there's less emphasis on the cultural aspect and how we're actually going to execute. And that's the, that's probably the biggest reason why we have not explored franchising to this mm-hmm. point. Uh, even though there's been a lot of interest, we just don't want to dilute the uh, the cultural aspect.
1: So, how as you grow and you know you're looking to double this year and and expand into the future, you know how do you keep that quality control?
0: Uh, very, uh, very intentionally. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's we we have some really good systems in place where we're able to get feedback from customers on a very uh, very regular basis, and and it's it's very detailed. Um, it's a lot of training and retraining and making sure that we are following specs. Um, it's, it's relying on our managers and our shift leads to also enforce that and to make sure that, um, that we're, you know, we are following things the way that we should be. Um, cause ultimately what we kind of, you know, let our employees know is like, if, if, if we aren't consistent for our customers, they're not going to be consistent for us. And, uh, so it, it's a two way, two way street there. So. It's a lot of it's a lot of intentionality and a lot of elbow grace, to be honest.
1: So what are some of the challenges that you that you're seeing that your your own stores are facing and that you see other restaurants facing as well?
0: Yeah, I, I think the space is very uh, is very attractive right now in terms of drive- through coffee, so it's creating a lot of competition for the you know there's a finite amount of of quality real estate sites that are available, so it's increased competition there, um, which is you know which is driving I think rent rates a little bit a little bit higher. Um, things are also shifting just in terms of the cost to build um, with interest rates uh, moving, so that plays a, a factor uh, probably probably a little bit differently for every concept, big or small. Um, I think those are probably the biggest ones. One of the other challenges for us previously was identifying great real estate where we wanted to be. And uh, we we kind of looked at it before of like, well, what's available and how much does it cost? Um, and it was kind of a, a little bit of a reverse thinking. Now it's like, where do we want to be? And let's find a way to, to get there. So we have a really good developer partner who helps deliver um, turnkey build to suit locations for us. So that's really helped to solve our uh, pipeline challenge and uh, I'm very excited to work with them.
1: Right. So you mentioned before um, using AI in marketing. Um, So what kind of marketing you do and how important is, is social media um, to kind of like, you know, uh, what people's appetite um, about coming into and
0: visiting? I think social media is very important for us in in my personal opinion Um, in the in the space that we're in, uh, you eat with your eyes before your before your taste buds. So, getting a chance to see what are the drinks we offer, are there new things we're offering? Um, are there customizable things that that are unique for us? That's really important. It also allows us. We can you know with our app, we can directly engage with customers and inform them of promotions that are coming up or new drinks that are being launched. We did that similarly with um, with launching a new line of smoothies this summer that are hundred percent juice, which is something that we were passionate about because most smoothies on the market have a lot of added sugar to it. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was something that was important for us on the AI front. What's interesting is, uh, is using, using AI technology to help with, um, captions, uh, in terms of writing, basically writing ad copy really, um, and put and on, on certain levels, naming drinks too.
1: Mm-hmm. So you had mentioned um, earlier about being a steward of the community. Um, and um, I noticed a lot when I was looking, doing research about how much on your website you have so much information about all that you're doing in the different communities. Um, so just give me some of the examples of, of how you work with the local communities um you know and it, and and it's you know building up your name and helping things out at the same time so it's you know
0: great balance there yeah uh so we have the three c's of clutch which are customer culture and community and none of those can be sacrificed for the other they all are important um, on the community aspect one of the things we do is when we when we go into a new community um, usually in the first two weeks we will partner with a, a local high school um, or middle school and do a give back day where we support uh, and donate hundred percent of our proceeds directly to them there's no strings attached um, we just really want to come in and, and, and have an impact and I think education is a is a great spot for us because so many of the employees that we uh, that we have are younger mm-hmm. um, so that's that's really important for us and uh, and then finding other causes that are uh, that are impactful and recurring in those communities, and being able to we kind of look at it as we are a vehicle that can be a force for good. So, if we can be a centralized place where people can come and all they need to do on a particular day is get their favorite drink um, to come support, and we help to to be the facilitator to to support a cause, uh, I think that's that's just part of our social responsibility and something that that is part of the fabric of who we are.
1: So, um, where do you hope to be, um, and hope that the brand is in five, 10 years,
0: five years, uh, I think we will be well North of 50 locations. Um, we're going to go from five to 10 this year and we're, we're poised to go from 10 to 20 next year. So continuing, continuing that growth, um, in 10 years. Uh, I'd like to think that we have a really strong regional presence throughout the Southeast um, and that we are able to impact uh, more and more communities than we are today.
1: Perfect. And what's your go-to coffee order?
0: Uh, It is a signature drink that's only available at Clutch. Uh, It's called the Muscle Mocha. And this was inspired by my wife who was tired of drinking a protein shake and a coffee each morning and kind of said, Hey, figure out a way to fuse these together. Um, so it's a, it's a protein shake infused with, uh, with two shots of espresso. If you're getting a small or a medium, four shots, if you're getting a large, um, and it's great, high protein, low sugar taste. If I didn't tell you that it was a regular mocha, like, or if it was a regular mocha, you would have, you'd have no idea.
1: Right. Perfect. Thank you so much. This was great.